We're going to open our Bibles now to the book of First Peter. Uh, our text this morning comes from chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. And I'm going to invite Steve up. He's going to read those verses for us. One Peter four. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for judgment to begin with family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Keep your Bibles open. We're going to work through these verses. There's some uh, tricky stuff, uh, tricky as in hard to get our heads around and tricky as in hard to understand. Uh, And so you'll be well served if you keep your Bible near and can continue to refer back to it. Uh, When the British first discovered Australia and were exploring Australia, uh, they brought with them uh, a team of scientists um, to come and and help them understand this strange and big and wonderful new land uh, that they'd found. And they found that Australia is not much like England. Um, They found that Australia is full of all these weird and wonderful and quite bizarre uh, creatures that they've never even seen or never even begun to imagine or picture. And so what these scientists did is they uh, described what they saw, they caught some of the animals that they saw um, and they preserved them and and sent them back home for for further study there. Now you can imagine being a scientist in England uh, and getting these shipments full of all these most bizarre looking creatures. I mean, you imagine never seeing a kangaroo before. How weird is that? Uh, And they worked their way through all these different animals but apparently there was one that took the cake and that was the platypus. The platypus. All the others were amazing, but when they got to the platypus, when they unboxed this bizarre creature, they thought, that's too much. <laughs> this has got to be a joke. Uh, and they, 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 they just thought it was a prank. They, uh, the story goes that when they got it, they, they literally thought it was a joke. They tried to pull the bill off because they figured someone had just glued it on there, was just having a bit of a laugh. It was April Fool's Day, maybe, and they were trying to pull their leg. See, in their their understanding of the world, there was just no place for such an animal. I mean, it's kind of hard to comprehend him as they are. You know, this this mammal that lays eggs, it has poison spikes, it has a bill like a duck. What is that? (laughs) And they couldn't understand. They, They thought it had to be a joke. It just doesn't fit with how we understand the world. Now, sometimes, sometimes Christians can treat suffering like platypuses or platypi. We can act uh, as if it just doesn't fit with our world. Uh, We have an understanding of the world, but there's just no place for suffering or for persecution. I mean, after all, 
the Bible is all about life and about blessing and about joy and thanksgiving. Aren't we, aren't we promised all of those things? What place does suffering have with all of that? It, it just doesn't fit, does it? But there's a bit of a problem there, isn't there? It's true. The Christian life is all about life. It is all about blessing. It is all about joy. But those things are not mutually exclusive with suffering. And in fact, you might have picked it up as we read those verses just before. In fact, what we're going to see today is there is even a link between blessing and joy and suffering. Now to be clear this morning, we are talking about suffering for the gospel. We're not talking about suffering the hurts of the world and illness and all the the things that are going wrong. We're talking about facing opposition for following Jesus. Uh, Persecution in all its varied forms. And what we find in these verses today is guidance for us. How to understand that suffering, how to face that suffering Uh, how to know how to deal with it, not just so we can kind of scrape by and get through, but so that we can face it with gladness even and joy. Now if you've been here during this uh, series, you'll notice that we have talked a lot about suffering. Uh, It is a theme that runs right through the book of 1 Peter and and as we're drawing to the end here, we just see uh, Peter's intent and his emotion just starting to break through. He, he starts this chapter with the words, Dear friends, it's literally beloved ones. He, he really cares for these people. He wants to see them face suffering well. He wants to see us face suffering well. And so this is what he writes, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on in the church at this time. It seems that there was trouble uh, either present or very close by on the horizon. Um, the, the R suffering in there is not really there. It's, it's, he's more saying there's trial, there's suffering. Uh, it might be current, it might be near, it might be imminent, but there is suffering, there is trial. What is it? Well, we're not sure. But there's every indication here that it was quite severe. Um, painful trial is literally the fiery trial. We're going to see why that's important uh, a little later on. Now at this time, uh, in this area that Peter's writing to, there wasn't yet that widespread uh, state-sponsored persecution. There was, seems to have been uh, no threats, uh, no physical threats of, of harm or death to these Christians. Um, the great uh, persecution that was coming was still in the future and yet there was still pressure. There was still hardship. It wasn't a breeze being a Christian here. Whether that pressure was social pressure or familial pressure, whether it was economic pressure, it was growing. There was hardship, there was opposition, there was difficulty simply for following Jesus. And Peter says, whatever that suffering is, whenever it comes, expect it. It. Don't be surprised when it comes. Don't think this is strange as if something unusual was happening. This is the usual. This is the norm. Expect it. It's very important what we're seeing here. Suffering for Jesus is not an oddity. It's not something that might or may happen. It is to be expected. It is the norm. 
Uh, it's not something that happens over there. It's not just something that happens on the front lines of mission around the world in, in far-off countries. It is to be expected for all who face Jesus, who, who live for Jesus, whoever they are, wherever they are. Uh, it's like how we look at travelling the Midlands Highway now. Now, I am sure years ago you could travel the Midlands Highway and know you would just get to Hobart on time. There was no interruptions. You just drove... Uh, and you got there. I'm sure that's what it used to be like. But you all know it is not like that now, is it? You know if you're going to drive the Midlands Highway, there is going to be interruption. There are going to be roadworks, whether there are people working there or not, there will be at least signs for roadworks. You know you won't get there when you expect. There's delays, you're going to be held up, there's going to be frustration. And so you you anticipate that, you live, uh, you, you plan your drive expecting that. Well, what Peter's saying in these verses is, The same is true for us. Don't expect you're going to just breeze through. Don't expect smooth sailing. Instead, anticipate what's coming. There is hardship on the road ahead. There is persecution. It will surely come. Don't be surprised. Don't don't, don't think that's strange or unusual. Expect it. Trial is the norm now. Why? Well, it's for what we see in verse 13 and 14. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Peter saying you participate in Jesus. Literally, you share in Jesus. And sharing in Jesus means sharing in the path that he walked. He suffered for doing right. We too will suffer for doing right. But as unpleasant, uh, as scary and awful as that sounds, Peter says there's joy here. There is joy here. Because as you share in his suffering, as you participate in his suffering, you know also you're going to participate in glory. You walk with him in suffering. You're going to walk with him into glory. You share in suffering, you're going to share in perfection. uh, The perfection that's going to be revealed when he returns. There is great joy. And in fact, not only joy, but there is blessing too. Because even if you're insulted for Jesus, even if people say all sorts of things about you, that is simply evidence to you that you are in Jesus and that his spirit is in you. Uh, Peter uses the word rests there. It's, it's not that the insult uh, rests on you or stays with you. That, that's water off a duck's back. It is instead that the spirit, the spirit of the power and glory of God, he rests on you and he stays with you. What a blessing that is. Even when you're insulted, even when uh, you're called all sorts of things or all sorts of things are said about you simply for following Jesus, it's not a sign of your shortcoming. It's not a sign of some lack of you. It's a sign of the very power of God in you and with you. What a blessing. I mean, it's all upside down, isn't it? Joy and blessing uh, in the middle of suffering and in the middle of insult, it seems so, so back to front. But Peter's telling us there's something going on here, isn't there? Uh, It's like when I go buying um, fishing gear with the kids. I don't know why I do it. It's a complete waste of time. They run into the fishing shop. They find the biggest and brightest and shiniest lure and they say, this one, Dad, we've got to buy this one. 
Uh, and they're totally confused when I don't um, because it's the prettiest, clearly. Why would you not buy the prettiest lure in the shop? That makes perfect sense if you're two years old. But, of course, my values are a bit different, aren't they? not looking for the prettiest lure. Uh, I'm after the, the catchingest lure, the most effective. And they think I'm crazy when I buy a brown one. How boring, brown. <laughs> that one's silver and yellow and pink. How awesome. But that's the thing, isn't it? Different values, driving different behaviours. And that's what Peter's saying here. See, it's only one who's driven by completely different values and desires who can call suffering a joy, who can call insult a blessing. It's only the one who has decided that it is far uh, far better than seeking joy and blessing in and of themselves. Far better is seeking Jesus and finding in him, yes, suffering, but with it, joy and blessing that lasts. I mean, our normal view of this, isn't it? We, we think blessing, we think joy are good things, but we think, we expect that they're things that are lost when we suffer, when we trial, go through trial. You know, you meet a hardship, you expect that your blessing, your joy has been taken away. That's how we face the world. But what Peter's saying, what, what we're seeing here is, in Jesus, it's very different. Remember, we have a living hope. We have an eternal inheritance. We have the salvation of our souls for all time. He's saying that's so much bigger. It's bigger than our suffering. It's bigger than our trial. And so our joy, so our blessing continues even through that. And in fact, even our very suffering simply reminds us of that blessing and of that joy. For we are his and hope is ours. Now that doesn't mean we should go out and seek suffering. We don't have to go out and make this happen because what Peter's saying is, you won't have to. You won't have to make it happen because it will find you anyway. All who seek to follow Jesus will meet hardship for his name. And so rather, uh, instead we're not dismayed when it comes. Uh, We don't act as if it trumps our hope and our joy. Instead we remember it confirms it. It tells us we're in Jesus and his power is in us. If the idea of suffering or facing hardship uh, in the Christian life is a surprise to you, uh, if that's a discomfort, that may well be a sign that you need to rethink your view of Christianity. We, we kind of absorb this idea that, that a smooth, uh, easy, comfortable life is a, is a good thing, is the ideal, but what we see here is completely the opposite that in fact following Jesus isn't the promise of a trouble-free life. In fact, it's a path directly into trouble. But it's also a path to better. Yes, certain trouble, certain suffering, but also joy and blessing that lasts through. If you look at your life, uh, if you see no suffering, no cost for following Jesus, then maybe this is a call to you to reassess your life. Maybe you need to look hard. Are you truly following him? Or have you compromised on the values of this world? Remember what we've seen. We've, seen, we've been called to follow Jesus into this radically different life that he calls us to. 
a life of holiness, a life of following him, of Christ-likeness. And that is a life that's going to create friction with the world. It can't help but do that. And it will lead to suffering. If you're not experiencing that, then it could well be that you have compromised on that life that you've, you've been called to. And this may be then a call to you to repent and to centre your life on Jesus. If you have committed yourself to follow him and to live for him, expect that you will face hardship for him. Don't be surprised when it comes. Instead, rejoice. Rejoice. You'll find conflict at your work, you'll find hardships with your family, you'll find difficulties at school and so much more and be glad. For you share in Jesus, his spirit rests on you, you are headed to glory, rejoice. How blessed you are in him. But only if you suffer for the right thing. Look at verses 15 and 16. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Uh, if you suffer as, as a, uh, a murderer or as a thief or any other type of criminal, what good is that? That, that means nothing. Uh, you've deserved it, in fact. <laughs> Don't bring Jesus into that. That's simply the consequences of your actions. Even if you suffer as a meddler. Um, that's a strange word that Peter uses here. Essentially it means busybody, someone who annoys or pries into other people's lives, who tells them what they should or shouldn't do. Um, why does he mention it here? Maybe, maybe because that's a uniquely Christian thing. Maybe as Christians we have a tendency to meddle with other people's lives, to, to interfere and tell uh, them how they should live. We're not to do that. If you suffer for prying or for interfering or to getting unnecessarily involved in other people's lives, that's no good either. It's not to your credit. But if you suffer as a Christian, if you suffer for being called by the name of Jesus, for genuinely, lovingly, devotedly following him, that is no shame to you. Instead, praise God. Praise God, you get to bear the name of Jesus. You get to be called by his name. And if you suffer for that, give thanks. What a privilege. Bring praise to him, be glad. Why? Look at verse 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will, be, uh, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Um, there's, there's some tricky things to work out here, so let's just work our way methodically through them. Um, first of all, we need to remember here that the times that Peter's writing to, the times that we're living in, we, we saw it in the reading uh, that we had last week, um, back in, in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, remember the end times are here, the end times uh, are all around you. We're living in the last days. Um, this is it. The, the, the last thing to come is Jesus' return. This is the last times. What happens in the last times? Well, God will judge. God acts 
as a judge in those last days. Uh, and that's what being, uh, Peter is referencing here. He's, he's alluding in these verses to two Old Testament passages, to Ezekiel chapter 9 and to Malachi chapter 3. And what we see when we go back to those passages is a description of God doing that, of God judging, but importantly of that judgment starting with his own people, starting in his own house. Now this is not a judgment as in uh, sending people to their, their punishment. This is a judgment of distinction between Uh, certain people and that's what we see here. Uh, The passage in Malachi is particularly important because it uses a similar word to verse 12. Uh, Painful trial, you remember fiery trial? We we find that in Malachi. And what we see there is God's judging of his people is not a judging to condemnation. This fiery trial he's bringing is in fact for their purification. It's a a judgment to refine them, to improve them, to to change them. And Peter's drawing all that in here. He's saying, yes, trial is coming to you. Uh, Yes, you should rejoice because you have a hope in Jesus because that trial is good for you. It's not just suffering for the sake of suffering. God is instead using that in you. He is purifying you by it. God's doing a good thing in your hardship. He's doing a good thing for you. It's like uh, you would melt your gold down if you had any gold. Uh, you would melt your gold down and the impurities come out so you can take them out. Uh, you can reshape your gold. You can recast your gold into a more desirable shape. That's what God's doing here. He, he's putting his people through a fiery trial in order to purify, in order to refine them, both to remove from them those who are not genuine, but also to reshape, reshape into holiness those who are his. Trust God because even the trials that he has sent, that he has allowed in your life, are for your good, used by him to make you more like Jesus, to prepare you for days ahead. Be glad that you suffer now because how much worse would it be to not suffer now and instead to suffer later? If it's hard for us now, for those who have obeyed the gospel, who follow Jesus, how much more for those who will suffer later, who have opposed the gospel? So what we see there in verse 18, isn't it? Uh, if it's hard or if it's with difficulty that we're saved, how much worse the lot of those who won't be? How much more terrible the lot of those who have rejected the ungodly and the sinner? Uh, it's a bit like the smallpox vaccine. Uh, smallpox isn't around anymore, thankfully for that, because it's an awful disease. Uh, contagious, terribly painful symptoms and really high uh, death rate. You don't want smallpox. Be thankful you we won't get it. But it used to be, uh, to prevent smallpox, they used to vaccinate people by giving them cowpox. And it sounds a bit ridiculous, uh, but they would give them cowpox. Um, cowpox is very mild. It gives you a small fever, some spots... Uh, and then it passes. It's not dangerous. People don't die from cowpox, but once you've had it, you can't get the far worse smallpox. You're you're vaccinated. How much better is that? Suffer now, a few days of discomfort, a mild disease with no danger. How much better to have that than face the possibility of far worse later, that you would have very little chance of surviving? And that's what Peter's describing here. He's saying your suffering now for the sake of Jesus is assurance for you then. 
Your suffering doesn't in itself save you, but it does confirm to you that you are saved, that you are in Jesus. There is cost now, there is hardship now, there is difficulty now, but there's peace forever. So be glad, even in your suffering. Not only is it a sign of your eternal security, but God doesn't even waste it. He he even uses it for your good. So trust God and persevere. Look at verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Commit yourselves, uh, trust God, entrust yourself to God. He knows what he's doing. He is the creator, the all-powerful over all uh, who is faithful, who is faithful to his people. So keep doing the good that you're called to. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard to do good when suffering, isn't it? I mean, it's hard enough to do good just when you're hungry (laughs) or when you're tired. How much harder through suffering, when you're genuinely suffering, to do good? But Peter says, keep going. Keep doing the good that you're called to, even to those who don't deserve it, even when there's a direct cost for doing that good. Don't take uh, your foot off the pedal just because you're suffering. Keep it down. Keep going. Keep living for God even in the midst of your suffering. Let your life be a testimony that you live for a higher purpose, that you live under a greater hope and glorify God in the midst of it all. In our walk with Jesus, we will suffer. Uh, We will face hardship. But what we find in knowing him is that a completely new way to look at all all of this, to see these things as not as strange, not as unexpected, not things that ought to make us question our standing with God, but instead we see that suffering for what it is, a sign of our being in Jesus, a sign of the Spirit being in us. We see it as a sign of God's refining of us and a sign of assurance of glory to come. So persevere. Endure, entrust yourself to God. Do the good that you're called to and glorify him even in your suffering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be people uh, who face suffering in your name well. Father, help us to be willing to suffer for you. Help us to understand that simply for following you, Uh, suffering will come to us. Lord, help us not to shy away from that nor be confused by it, but instead, as Peter has said, to rejoice and be glad and, and know our blessing even in the midst of it. For we know that it tells us that not only are we in you, but your spirit is in us and the promise of glory is ours. Help us to uh, suffer then, knowing this hope uh, and persevering in the good that you've called us to. Help us to trust you in it, knowing that even by suffering you are doing good things in us and that you are making us more like Jesus. 
In his name we pray. Amen.